Deputy Needsley family. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Stooney. And I'm Talia. And today we have Beverly Naya. Beverly is a British Nigerian actress whose work includes being featured in one of the, actually both of the highest grossing Nigerian films, The Wedding Party and Wedding Party 2. She also stars in a really popular web series that I watch weekly when it's on called Beauty Girl in Transit. And most recently, she is the director or creator, producer, thank you, of Skin, the documentary, which just featured on Netflix. Beverly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. We are so excited. I watched Skin, like I've been holding off, trying to wait Mm -hmm. until we had you on the show so that I could Mm -hmm. watch it and so that it could be very fresh in my mind. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, this is good. Like so it was texting me. She was like mad text. <laughs> she was Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was like, I think it's the kind of thing where as an American, as a as a black American, I didn't realize like that I needed it. I didn't realize like how much I cared until I was watching it. And I was like, oh, this is a thing because we know about colorism in other countries. Like we know it's a thing, but watching it, I had such, I had such a specific reaction, which is why the entire time I'm texting Dooney. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, what is happening here? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it was so good. So we'll, we'll get into Thank it. You. I won't, yeah. I won't jump too far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Beverly, let's kind of start from the beginning. Like let's start okay. with beauty as a child and what what beauty meant to you like how you saw beauty growing up yeah I mean as a child I didn't really see myself as beautiful Mm. you know um I had a lot of insecurities growing up I had really bad eczema Mm. so yeah my skin wasn't in the best condition um I had crooked teeth um I just didn't really you know, find myself desirable in any way. Like, well, at that age, it's not really desirable. Not That's not the word we're looking for. But I just didn't think I was pretty right. at that age. And, um, yeah, just, you know, like, I, as I got older, I just realised that, it, it, you know, feeling that way just affected my self-esteem. And, you know, obviously getting bullied as well by the kids and stuff like that in school just kind of made me feel even worse about myself. So, yeah, um, at a young age, I didn't think I was beautiful. Um, I could recognize beauty in others, but I could never recognize it in myself. And when did that kind of transition for you? Because you were, you're born and raised in London, yes? Mm-hmm. So when, yeah. did that, when did that kind of transition for you? Were there, um, I don't know, Black British celebrities who you kind of were able to connect with? No, I think it's, for me, it was like... Um, so I got braces um, and then, you know, as I said, I had eczema. Um, my eczema just cleared as I got older. And I think that's when I truly blossomed. So that was like when I was 16 years old. So at that point, it was like, okay, cool. I had blossomed in some way. So I, I started to feel like I was a pretty, pretty person, a pretty girl. But because I hadn't dealt with, you know, like how I saw my beauty internally, like mentally, it really affected, you know, how I saw myself physically. So it was like, okay, cool. You know, people are saying I'm attractive. People, boys do like me and all that type of stuff. But 
it never really resonated because, you know, I was still insecure within myself. So for me, I think it wasn't, it wasn't until my early 20s that I just made the decision to learn how to love myself, you know, learn to appreciate my beauty, my black beauty, everything, and then just love myself as I am. So that's when I feel like there was a shift for me because, you know, prior to that, as I said, it was just a lot of self-doubt, a lot, a lot of insecurities, a lot of, um, you know, pretty exterior, but internally you don't believe what you see. There was a lot of that. So, um, yeah, so because of everything that I went through when I was a teen, when I was um, a kid and stuff like that, I just realized that I just felt like because of all the damage that had been done to me, um, psychologically, I felt like I didn't want other children to go through that. So that's when I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do an anti-bullying campaign, mm. um, inspire young children to love themselves and then teach other children, you know, the ills of, I mean, about the ills of bullying and why it's wrong to bully other people. So that was the original plan. And then I just started doing research on colorism and yeah, I just basically was just became very passionate about the topic. Um, the more research I did, the more I realized that it's just, a, it's a conversation that we're not having, having enough in Nigeria. You know, like we, a lot of people do not know what colorism is, why it exists, um, how it exists and how it affects people. So yeah, I just became, you know, very passionate about that. And then also um, finding out that Nigerians are the highest consumers of bleaching cream was just like a real shocker for me. So, sorry, in Africa was a real shocker for me. And it just made me realize that because people aren't um, aware of colorism and what it is, people don't realize, you know, that the what's wrong. Do you get what I mean? They don't, yeah. they don't understand that what they're doing is wrong and how it's affecting them and how they see themselves and how their reasons for bleaching are as a result of colorism, you know? So I just felt like, okay, cool. Colorism is another form of bullying. I'm clearly passionate about bullying and I've now become passionate about this topic. So I decided to combine both efforts and um, launched a campaign in 2014 called 50 Shades of Black, which was basically um, just empowering black women and people to just love them, their skin as it is and to just see the beauty in all complexions and just recognize, just recognize the fact that all black is beautiful. It really doesn't matter what shade you are. So yeah, that's how that started. And um, I just wanted the message to go further. I wanted to, I wanted to um, you know, expose the ills of colorism to more people and um, make it a movement. So that's when I decided that I needed to do a documentary and that's how Skin was birthed. Yeah. So there's so much there, which is, which is good. Um, let's take it back though. What, mm -hmm. so you were being bullied when you were young, but what messages mm -hmm. were you being told at home? Or like, was there any reinforcement yeah. about who you mm -hmm. are and how pretty you are? Definitely, definitely. Um, I was definitely, as I said, I was getting bullied, but every time, you know, I would go, I would go home and I would complain about one physical attribute or the other, you know, my mom would always say stuff like, you're beautiful, you are enough, you're amazing. Don't let anyone dull your sparkle. You deserve to shine. You're my daughter. Like, you know, yeah. words that were encouraging and stuff like that, words that did make me feel good in that moment. But then, you know, although, I mean, now I realize how powerful those words, you know, were and, and still are. But then, you know, as a child, when you go back into the school and you're having to like, um, be very much concerned with your physical attributes and feel and have other kids target you for the way you look. Like it's really hard to kind of 
focus on the on the positive words of affirmation. Yeah. So yeah, but as an adult, it's easier to do because you have to define. As an adult, you're you're much older, so you define how you want people to see you and how you see yourself, which is which is um the core of, of everything, uh, the core of our entire existence. Yeah. So. Did you, did you, yeah, real quick. Did you grow up predominantly around white I was kids just about to ask that. Or black kids? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up around um, black kids. Okay. So, yeah, I so was the around them quite often. Yeah. So the reason mm-hmm. that I asked was, is, so when I was like four, I came home, my mm-hmm. mom realized that I was having self-esteem issues with how mm-hmm. I looked. And I grew up predominantly around white kids. And so she started mm-hmm. that positive reinforcement at home. Mm-hmm. told me like daily how pretty I am and you know basically everything that I could have picked at on myself she reinforced exactly. and then when I when I started to be around more black kids that's actually when I started to be um when I realized that I'm dark I didn't really realize I was dark before I just knew that I wasn't like white exactly. exactly yeah white. like I told my mom exactly. I wanted to be sandy and my mother was like like what (laughs) but then when I was like maybe like eight or nine ish that's when I was around more black kids and at Mm -hmm. that point I realized oh okay I'm dark like there's there's a Mm -hmm. difference and there's a difference they let me know the white kids never really let me know that I Mm -hmm. was I was just black to them but Mm -hmm. it was the black kids that let me know that you may be black but you're dark you're dark yeah dark dark skin um, yeah. So, so that was that's interesting. That's why I asked that question. Sorry, Tlaib, mm-hmm. I you're gonna ask the question. No, that was that was pretty much what I was going to ask because I grew up around nothing but black kids. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Kids are just—I mean, I've told this story before, but like I didn't really. I mean, in high school, there were maybe two white people, um, but like I didn't really have to be around white people until I got to college. Um, yeah, and the the teasing that I experienced as a kid was silly shit. It was like I used to get accused of bleaching my teeth because they were so white. It's just like kids are <laughs> I know. Just they find anything. Anything. They find anything. Yeah. And I just wonder if if growing up like in London, like what does that look like um mm. for for you all, you know, because mm-hmm. the idea is that most of the the black people are immigrants and that's just kind of like this this known thing is there a sense of like banding together or or is there still a bit of like colorism i i mean colorism is a global situation so yeah it definitely exists in the uk it's just handled differently i think it's handled similarly to how americans um, black americans handle colorism in the sense that it's like you know, um, I'm dark, for example, you know, obviously it's, it's more, tar- I mean, dark skinned women are targeted more than um, any other complexion. So it's more of a situation of, okay, cool, I'm dark skinned. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to own my complexion and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to teach people how to embrace this. That's the typical way, um, approach in the UK to um, handling colorism. Whereas in Nigeria, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm dark skinned. Ah, I may not be desirable. Sorry. A bit of a Nigerian accent just came out there. That's fine. I may Talia, not be. Talia I may not be. De- <laughs> I know. I may I not be desirable. Yeah. What can I do to fix this problem? Okay, I'm going to alter my skin tone. So it's different in that regard, and that's that's because again, like there aren't enough conversations around colorism here, so people don't realize that what they're doing is actually extreme. It's not normal anywhere. 
you know they just see it as okay i'm fixing a problem so let me fix that problem yeah and that's that's what's that's what makes it different do you think it's a socioeconomic issue so do you find do you think there's a correlation between higher socioeconomic status and maybe more education people aren't as prone to bleaching compared to people who may be considered to be to have a lower socioeconomic status but i think I mean, I think the documentary explored the fact that it's actually across board. You yeah. know, you have like um, people make who make a lot of money who feel the need to bleach their skin. And you also have people who, you know, um, are, I mean, are, I mean, work in a brothel, but yeah. also are making the choice to bleach their skin. And then you also have the conversation around lighter skin being seen as, you know, more, you know, um, just, I mean, like it's, 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 it's attributed to wealth, to affluence and stuff like that. And then darker skin tones is, is, I mean, people see it as poor. So it's like, if I don't spend money on my skin and make it glow or make it lighter, then it means I don't have money, you know, and I can't yeah. take care of myself. So that's the general perception in Nigeria. Like in a quest to seem a certain way, people are willing to change themselves and alter their skin tone in order to seem more desirable or to seem wealthier. Yeah. So yeah, definitely is a socioeconomic issue. That's so interesting. So I was telling Dooney about this earlier, but I was watching this show. It's a reality show on Netflix called Indian Matchmaking. And mm-hmm. it's- Yeah. It, oh my gosh, that show. It is, it is maddening. It's infuriating. Yes, it is. It's infuriating. But it really is. what they do is they associate being fair with mm-hmm. wealth. And wealth, there's, yeah. there's this culture in Bollywood where they are putting- dark face, what they call it, brown face, on yeah. white actors when they are portraying mm-hmm. middle class or poorer class people. Mm-hmm. And and I think in America, you could be a broke-ass, light-skinned bitch just as easy as somebody mm-hmm. else. Like, exactly. like, we don't associate skin color exactly. with, with wealth. Wow, um, exactly. And when I think about Nigeria, I'm like, this is a country where everyone is black. And as an American, I wouldn't even think that these were kind of like issues. It's like, we're Mm -hmm. all the same. We all are Mm -hmm. of similar complexion. How Mm -hmm. are you trying to find some way to differentiate yourself when you you really don't have to? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is you have to also consider um, how Africans generally see white people you know so it's like when white people come to Nigeria for example it's like okay it's always from white people always come here as rich people they're 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 experts they're predominantly experts you know so when you come as an expert you have a lot of money so when you come into the country it's like okay Nigerians are employed to serve you you know and to, to to um to do what you need to be done and all that type of stuff so if you think about that mentality or if you I mean let's say maybe you know, the, the, when they come, they're driving the best cars, they live in the best homes, they have the best jobs, and the average Nigerian never really gets those type of opportunities, you know? So from their perspective, it's like, okay, white skin represents wealth, you know? Like for a, for a, for a Nigerian that's not exposed, a Nigerian that's never left the country, it's like, okay, white skin must represent wealth, you know? And if I get closer to that complexion, maybe I will have similar opportunities in life. Yeah. So that's also one way of looking at it from the Nigerian perspective. Yeah. You know, um, the average Nigerian, that's literally how it comes across. Even though you have 
people in government who look like you, people on TV mm-hmm. who look like you. Like how? But it's the media. The media doesn't help either. Like for example, how um, African Americans and you know Black British people see beauty is is um, is as a result of what's fed to them in the media what they see on TV daily when you look at the cover of a magazine and it's a light skin on the cover and a light skin person on the cover and they open up the magazine and then there's, um, you know, there's a, a dark skin p- person saying, um, get alone today right. <laughs> in the same magazine. Do you get what I mean? Like it's, 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 yeah, exactly. It doesn't help. Like it's, 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 these things are kind of fed to us and we absorb this information without realizing and subconsciously we now are affected by these these um, these views and then we start to feel like, okay, that's what we need to um, aspire to, to be. Like we need to look like this. We need to be, we need to, um, like it's just this Eurocentric idea of what beauty is and that's what's been forced upon us globally. If you look at um, commercials, if you look at just, I mean, media, if you look at the type of dolls that we, we've been playing with, like, you know, I mean, as a child, um, if you think about our Barbies as well, the types of dolls that we played with, with, I mean, as children, I know a lot of my cousins had white Barbies, but for some very strange reason, I had white Barbies, but I was more, I used to love playing with my black Barbies more because maybe from my child, from my point of view, it was like, okay, this one actually looks like me. Mm-hmm. So it just, it, so it felt great to play with those type of Barbies. But then you also have kids that are only exposed to one type of Barbie, which is like the white, the yeah. white Barbie. And then they look at that Barbie and, you know, they look in the mirror and they think to themselves, okay, this Barbie is white. I want to look like this Barbie. Yeah. How do I look like this Barbie? And then they go to school the next day and they see the white girls getting attention or they see the light skinned girls getting attention. And they're like, okay, so if I look like this, I'll be more desirable. Or should we, I mean, we could even go a step further and start talking about cartoons. When you watch cartoons and it's like the, the, the villain is dark or black or wearing black and then the, the good person is pale or, uh, or fair-skinned and, yeah. and, you know, usually wearing white or something. Or is it religion? You know, angels are white, demons are black, Jesus. you know? So it's just, it's across board, like it's everywhere, you know? Um, I mean, don't go out at night. Step, I mean, if you go out at night, it's dangerous. I mean, make sure it's daytime, it's bright it's outside. Narrative. Do you understand? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's everywhere. It's across yeah. board. So it's just about, it really is about, you know, um, just kind of re-educating ourselves and, you know, understanding that these, co- I mean, co- colour is just basically something that we've kind of has been forced upon us from a very from from years ago like it's it's not now it didn't just happen overnight like you know um the main reason why I started the 50 shades of black campaign was because of a quote that I read in 2014 and that's what led to me doing more research on colorism it was a quote by a slave master called um Willie Lynch yeah exactly so I read the whole letter Yep. And I read the part where he said, divide the black slaves by complexion oh, and rule them for 300 plus years. Yeah. And this was said in the 1700s, guys. Yeah. The yeah. 1700s. And he said, literally, have the lighter skinned slaves, that's the ones that you've raped, mm-hmm. sadly, in the house, and then have the darker ones out on the field. That way, the lighter ones, so this basically feeds into the mentality of the Nigerians, of the average Nigerian now. Now, you have the lighter ones in the house, which makes them, which makes those slaves feel as though they are a part of the family. You know, they're closer to, to the whites. So it means that I must be one of them. And the dark people now feel inferior to these light people because it means that these light people are closer to the white people and I'm nowhere near that. 
-hmm. So that that feeds into that whole wealth mentality. Yeah. So if I if I look lighter, then I'll be wealthier. That's that's basically the mentality, you know. Yeah. So I just feel like you know this is the mentality that has affected us for clearly, as he said, three hundred plus years, and God knows how many more decades slash centuries to go. You know, and I just feel like it's something that we need to work on, you know, because it's the 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 thing for me is I just really believe that all complexions are equal, you know, and I hate to feel as though I have to, you know, I mean, like give any kind of importance to any complexion. Right. Because I believe that my black is beautiful the way it is, and I don't want to be light skinned because I'm actually I'm absolutely obsessed with my complexion, you know? But at the same token, I can recognize the beauty in all complexions, you know? Yeah. And for me, I always say healthy skin is more important than complexion. You know, if your skin is healthy, then you're beautiful to me. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I feel yeah. that's what we all need to that focus on. That came up in the documentary too. Go ahead, Dan. I know you got questions. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, wanna, I wanna circle back to what you just said, both of you touched on with Indian Matchmaker and the role that um, complexion plays in finding a partner. And this is mm -hmm. something that was touched on in the documentary as, El, as well with Erica Freemantel, who talked about, um, you know, marrying this man within six weeks because she just felt like, oh my God, somebody, you know, desires me. And then Dr. Mm -hmm. Carey, who said that, you know, a lot of women want to change their complexion so they can be more desirable, right? And then even the women who were um, interviewed in the field. So clearly, patriarchy plays a role in here as well. And I, I was just having a conversation with my father last week, and he was saying, you know, that women bleach because they have low self-esteem. And I was like, you can't just say that though. I said, mm -hmm. so if we take a society like Nigeria and even in other societies where patriarchy is extremely rampant, where women aren't afforded respect unless they're associated with a man. When, you, when a woman knows that and they know that their way of leveling up in life, the majority of the time is through marriage, you can't necessarily fault them for doing whatever it takes to care to, to catch a man, quote unquote, because they've been told, they've been fed these messages that they're not respectable. They hold no standing on their own. They have to be attached to a man. So what are your thoughts on just how patriarchy plays through in terms of men preferring lighter skinned women and you know that messaging? Yeah, I think it's a really big problem you know, and it's something that, you know, needs to change in our society. But I also feel like it also, it's also important for Nigerian women to recognize their worth, no matter what, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, your worth shouldn't be, def um, be defined by the type of man that you end up falling in love with, or the, ma the man that you, if, whether or not you fall in love, in love or get married, like that shouldn't be the reason why you change the way you look. You know, you should just be in love with who you are and wait for the right person to come to you. It's as simple as that. You know, um, that's basically my mentality. And that's the mentality that needs to change. Like patriarchy has drastically affected how women see themselves and how women see marriage. Like really and truly, you can achieve anything you want in this world, you know, but in this society, sadly, if you're not married, it's like there's still something missing. There's still a void that needs to be filled. And until you fill that void, you're not whole. That's the mentality for, I mean, for, I mean, sadly, you know, 
Um, but it's still, in as much as that mentality exists, you also have a responsibility as an ind individual to choose how you see yourself, you know, and how you um, live in society. And that's basically it. Like, I mean, that may be the general mentality here, but for me as a woman, like, I love being dark-skinned. I love being me. I'm very confident. I'm very proud of all of my achievements. And there's no one on earth that's going to make me feel like because I'm not married, right. <laughs> I'm not whole. You yeah. know, like, there's no one. So it really begins and ends with how you see yourself and how much emphasis you place on certain things. Do you know what I mean? Like, how important these things are to you. I haven't placed as much importance on, on marriage, for example. In as much as I do... Gen definitely intend to get married it's not a defining factor in my life yeah do you get what I mean like yeah. it doesn't de determine my success or my beauty or who I am it doesn't determine any of that yeah and I feel like that's what a lot of women need to do and that's how a lot of women need to think as well so I do get your dad's point of view um, and his reasons for saying what he said yeah I always say marriage is not an achievement it's it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a it's a life event you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a life event. It doesn't mean that mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you, you've drastically, everything has now changed in your, mm -hmm. you know, worthy. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, but yes that's and the, no. That's the mentality there, though. I don't necessarily agree 100% because I think that who you marry can determine kind of like how your life goes. You look 100%. at somebody like on a very basic level, Sierra and, and Russell Wilson. It's like... Yeah you know, Megan Good and, and her husband, like you, depending on who you are and who they are, you can definitely elevate like your situation I and agree. the I world agree. if you're Barack and Michelle. Yeah, but I'm saying the act of getting married itself. The act of getting married. Yeah, yeah. no. Getting married is yeah. an achievement. So if I get yeah. married tomorrow, it's not like, oh my God, you know, yes, you, you've, you've achieved this great thing. No, that's you, true. But know, I think, you know, many people out here marrying just to marry, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, but I if agree. these women, 100%. if these women in Nigeria are feeling like, you know, I can get this kind of man who can elevate my entire life, then it's worth just putting some cream on my skin. You know, like, I think that that may be where they're coming from. If it's like, I could marry this lower class man if I stay dark skin, but if I just lighten my skin a little bit, because one thing I noticed is all these women are not light-skinned. I was telling you, one of them was my complexion. I was like, you're not even light-skinned. Like, they don't- But you know in Nigeria, you're classified as light-skinned. Who, me? I can hardly, let me, let me. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> you know say, no. Don't make Talia mad now, because Talia tell you she's dark-skinned. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that, I think that if you are in a society where you feel like you you truly have to fight for your place and the best way to do it is by marrying a specific type of man, then I can easily see how you, I mean, there are women in America who are doing all types of ass shots and nose jobs to, to get a specific type of man because if I, I get this kind of man, then, you know, I'm set. I don't even have to marry him. I could yeah. just have a baby. I agree, but that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm talking about when I when I refer to confidence and yeah. self-esteem. Do you get what I mean? Because if you've built your confidence up to the point where you believe that you are deserving of anything you want and you deserve the right kind of love and you will find the right kind of love, I don't see why you won't. 
you know that's the truth and that's the mentality that I have like I don't believe that I need to lighten my skin or get ass shots to get the kind of guy that I want no I just believe that I need to be whole like own who I am wholeheartedly be whole within myself and be true to who I am as a person in order to attract the kind of man that would cherish and and respect the woman that I've become yeah it's as simple as that so anything if I have to if I have to lighten my skin in order to get the man of my dreams then I have settled. He's not the man of your dreams. Facts, yeah. He's not the man of my dreams. I've settled. There's it's a, as simple as that. There's a saying, because Beverly, that resonates with me. That's definitely my mentality. And there's yeah. a saying that I live by, which is, you only get what your faith allows you to believe you can get. It's as simple as that. Period. So love if, it. I, if I feel yeah. like all I can get is this right here, if I, if I mm-hmm. know that I really want, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be totally vain, a five-bedroom home. But mm-hmm. I'm in a, a, a studio apartment and I feel like this is all that it's going to be. That's truly all that's, you have. That's it. That's exactly. it. You're never going to get That's all you're going to get. Yeah. You believe that you can get, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Talia, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Go ahead. No, I, was to say, I think you had another question. I, I wanted you yeah. to get your Yeah. Um, because the documentary, the documentary was fascinating. Um, and Thank one, you. <laughs> one thing I noticed is that the discussion or the desire isn't necessarily to be white. Um, there was that when in the beginning, when you were sitting down with the kids, one of the little girls, she, she said very clearly, she said, Oh, I still want to be mixed with black. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I'm I just black, want but not to be black, black. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it seems like the, the desire is just not to be, very dark skin not even mm-hmm. not even not dark skin because I remember you all went to you all went to see a woman who was giving you some soaps and she was dark skin and she just simply said that she used to be darker and mm-hmm. she was like so the goal it seems is not to even be light and definitely definitely not to be white but just not to be as dark as you currently are even if you not that dark Mm -hmm. and it's just I guess it's it's something that I was trying to like wrap my mind around that Mm -hmm. if I was in Nigeria and I was born and raised even though I am not dark-skinned would I feel compelled to just be a little lighter because the goal is always to just be a little lighter Mm. and Mm. I'm just like what what is that? It's it's like you're not trying to be white. You're not even really trying to be light skinned. The goal is just always to be a little bit lighter. lighter yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah. The that goal narrative? is the goal is actually for most of them is actually to be light. <laughs> um, but they yeah, just haven't got there yet. There. <laughs> they haven't got there yet. That's basically it. Like they mm. they all want to be light. That's the goal, you know. Um, now if. For example, you could say to, if you, what you're saying now, if you were to say it to the lady and say, oh, you're actually not that light. She's going to go and try and get lighter the next day. Cause she, it would mean to her that she's not doing a good job, mm. you know? Oh my God. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really the mentality. And it's like, um, being, and it's like being light-skinned is like it's it's a goal you know it's an aspiration in the sense that if I'm light-skinned 
I will achieve my goals. I cannot achieve it as a dark person. So when you say I'm dark, it's like, oh, that's a bad, that's a problem. Because if I'm dark, I'm not going to achieve any of my goals, you know? So when you say, for example, like the little girl said, I'm black, but I'm not black, black, even though she's, she's very much dark skinned, you know, from her perspective, it's like, because of what she's heard, because of what she's seen on TV and all that type of stuff, when you say black, it's like, damn, that's, um, that's kind of not what I'm going for. It's an insult, you know? I don't want to be seen as black, black, even though that's what you see, you know? And for example, if you look at the very next scene in the documentary, it's the actress Hilda Dokubo, and she's talking about her culture and um, what, what, um, com- no, what colors, what, what, what black and white represent in her culture. For example, she refers to, you know, the black masquerade looking, you know, representing evil and, and, you know, all things negative. And then the white masquerade represents purity. It's angelic. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Now, what I always say is that when you look, for example, when you think about the little girl and let's say, for example, Hilda Dokubo, that's the woman in the very next scene is her mom. Yeah. And let's just say, for example, every year they go to Hilda's village um, to celebrate whatever time of year it is. And then she takes her daughter to this festival that's happening. And right in front of her, she's seeing the white masquerade being celebrated, being adored, um, idolized and everything. And then once that performance is over, the same little black girl sees the black masquerade come out and everyone's running away from it. Everyone's calling it evil. Everyone's saying, don't look, don't look, it's evil, yeah? Now, from this little child's perspective, when she sees this black masquerade and she looks at her own skin and she compares the two, it's like, oh, that black is similar to my complexion. So if they're saying that this is evil and everyone's running away from it, then without, I mean, indirectly, they're running away from me too because this represents me. She looks at the white masquerade and she's saying to herself, they're not running away from this. They're calling it beautiful. They're calling it angelic. But I look nothing like that. My skin does not represent that, does not depict that complexion in any way, you know? So that means this is nicer. And I don't want people to run away from me because I know I'm a nice person. I know that, I know I'm a likable person and I don't want people to feel like I'm evil. So if someone randomly asks me a question and they say to me, oh, um, describe your complexion. I'm not going to say I'm black, black because people think that's evil. I don't want to be seen as evil. So it's a very subconscious thing. You know, it's, it, it happens without realizing. Yeah. And this poor little girl, she doesn't realize, like she's, she's associated so many negative words with the color black, that being called black is now, has now become a problem to her. It's become problematic. So she feels as though if someone calls me black, black, then it's going to mean that they think I'm evil and I'm not. Yeah. And she, that's why she couldn't answer when you were asking, when I was asking her the yeah. question, I was saying to her, why? She's like, I don't, she didn't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, I really, the reason why I kept asking is because I wanted people to realize or to understand how easy it is to, for a child's mind to be influenced by what they see and not even realize. Now, as adults, like most of us can receive information and process it and filter it. But as children, they're unable to do it. So as far as they're concerned, they feel a certain way, but they cannot articulate into words why they feel that way or even have the memory to understand how they got, how they arrived at that point in the first place. Yeah. So that's basically, that's basically it. Yeah. And that, that's something that's prevalent across black people 
or mm-hmm. with Black people everywhere. I don't know how many times mm-hmm. I've been on vacation with friends who are either Caribbean, Black American, and it's, you know, well, I don't want to get too dark. I don't want to stay out in the sun too long. I know, right? I'm a, I'm a sunbather. Like and then you meet me, and I'm like, yeah. where's the sun oil? Yeah, like, I don't I love care. My skin, like... I will lay out in the sun. It does not matter. I don't care how dark I get. My skin glows differently when I get some sun. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I have friends <laughs> who will be like, well, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to get too dark. And I'm always yeah. like, what is, what is too dark? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, exactly. That's what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, that that has a lot to do with again, what you said is it didn't it didn't resonate to me until you actually said it, but like the images we see. Um, I mm-hmm. grew up in a very diverse black family. Everybody is black, but everyone is yeah. various complexions. Like my grandmother is one shade darker than white, and then I have like, you know, a very dark skinned auntie. And me and my auntie are like this to this day. She called me before we got on this call. Me and my auntie are like Mm -hmm. this. And my auntie is dark skinned and she is so pretty. She's like, she never Mm -hmm. wore makeup. She's so pretty and she's super successful. And growing up, people used to say that we looked alike. They used to think that I was her daughter. And Mm -hmm. I subconsciously was like, well, she's beautiful. So I'm beautiful. And I, you know, Dooney knows I've had my my realizations as of being an adult with the fact that I'm actually not dark skinned. <laughs> but in my family, you're dark or you're light. And it's like mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't light. The light skinned people mm-hmm. are very light. Right. Yeah. And and I was like, well, you know, all I need to do to be as dark as she is is just be in the sun more. And Dooney knows mm-hmm. I've been using sun oil for years. Can't, can't mm-hmm. wait to be as dark as Naomi Campbell. If I could just stick with it, I look so fine, dark skin. <laughs> and it's like, those are, but that was my understanding of what yeah. it looked like to be dark skin. It looked like my yeah. auntie who had this gorgeous skin and who was very successful and who everyone thought was gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about messaging and family because this is something that came up in the film as well. Tenny Coco said that, you know, growing up, her family members would say things like, oh, you know, you're, you're too dark or tone up, things of that nature. And I, I know that's something that is very prevalent in Nigerian families. I yeah. can't speak for yeah. all Black families. Um, yeah. Well, West Indian as well, because I have some, I've always had close West Indian friends. So mm-hmm. let's talk about how that plays out. Because Talia, you had a very positive experience. And for me, I don't have sisters. I, I only have brothers. Everybody's dark in my family. And my parents never, you know, it was, my complexion was never a thing in the household. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I didn't have uh, extended family members who were saying anything. But that is also, that's very prevalent. So Beverly, I know you didn't experience that, but is this something that you saw outside of Tenny in doing this work that family messaging played a part in how, you know, in people wanting to be lighter? Sorry, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand the question. So besides Tenny, did you did you see that people's messaging from their families played a part in their self-esteem and what, whether or not they wanted to be light-skinned? Um, I mean, if I'm talking about, you know, society and culture, then definitely it does. Because I've, I've seen instances where people, like, have said to others, like, oh, you need to lighten up, you know? <laughs> if you were lighter, you would be so much finer, like things like that. And it's like, why are you saying that? It's cringe, you know? 
Um, I've also been in um, stories, I mean, I've um, seen situations where it's like, you know, you hear girls say like, okay, I'm light-skinned, so I should be getting married soon. And you're like, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. You know? Um, so yeah, I do feel like culture definitely doesn't help because culture, culture makes people feel as though complexion matters, you know? And, um, yeah, it, it definitely does. You know, I mean, if you look at, you know, what Tenny Coco said and how her family, I think her family and a few of her friends felt like she needed to be a bit lighter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it definitely does influence and it's something that society just doesn't help with. You know, like we constantly place so much emphasis on complexion. We constantly, um, you know, there's a lot of favoritism that goes on as well. It's like, okay, you're lighter. I have to treat you a bit differently. Or, you know, when you, for example, you see two children and I mean, they're siblings. You're like, oh, are they, are they siblings? Are they brother and sister? Because one is light skin. Or you're like, oh, this one is so cute. And you don't really show any love to the dark skin child. Yeah. Like these things are real. It happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. And again, as, I, as I've mentioned, like, because we don't have enough conversations around colorism in Nigeria, these things aren't seen as offensive. Yeah. What happens culturally isn't a problem because people don't realize that it's actually colorism. They're like, oh, it's just, it's our culture. It is, it is what it is. That's, this is what happens in our culture. Like we need to, I mean, this one, if she gets lighter, she'll get married. That's it. So it's just a, it's like a matter of fact type of statement as opposed to what I'm saying is offensive. Maybe I, should, I shouldn't say this at all. You know, they don't realize it. Um, a baby's, I mean, like, it, I, there's been instances where I've been on the blogs and, you know, a baby is born and you can't even, I mean, a celebrity, for example, has a baby and you cannot see the child's face. I'm not kidding. You know, celebrities, celebrities tend to do that. They give birth and they don't really show the child's face. But I'm not kidding. You can't really see this child's face, but the child is really light. And then you read the comments, you're like, and you read stuff like, oh my God, this baby's so beautiful. Oh my goodness, you're so it's lucky. like, that yellow blanket is not yeah. beautiful. <laughs> that is a blanket. That arm, that arm that you're looking exactly. at. Exactly, like, that's all you need to see, you know? Sometimes it's even a hand. And you're like, yeah. just because a baby, the complexion is light, you read the comments and they're like, oh, that baby's so beautiful. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, God bless your child. And you're like, well, you can't even see the child, you know? Like, you're just assuming, you're literally assuming that child is beautiful because... Um, because I mean, all children are beautiful, but anyway, you're literally just assuming that that child is special because it's light skinned, you know? So there's a lot of that that goes on. And it's like, I pray God blesses me with a child like this. Even just yesterday, um, I was reading some comments, like something similar happened. Um, there was a beautiful mixed race um, kid and I was reading the comments. Like, I mean, they, I mean, the parent released her, her images and stuff like that. Gorgeous child. And then the comments, I was reading them, they're like, oh, she's so lucky that her child, I mean, it looks like this, her skin is so nice. I wish my child had skin like this. There was one particular comment that said, oh, as a dark skinned woman, this picture is making me want to marry a white person to produce this child. And I was like, oh, but the thing is, they think it's, they think it's just a regular statement. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that it really represents self-hate, one, and two, they, they don't realize that it's it's colorism and they don't think that these things are offensive or or make make them look ignorant you know they don't they don't know as far as they're concerned it's like oh it's just it's just a conversation it's just a thought but it's deeper than the thought it really shows how you see yourself yeah you know and and that's that's the unfortunate thing yeah because I have seen some unfortunate looking light skinned people like 
it is not, that is not a thing. Like, mm-hmm. like there yeah. are, there are, everybody ain't cute just because they like, mm-hmm. like, that's, yeah. People just like skin, that's it. <laughs> like. People, yeah. Like yeah. skin with long hair, that's it. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the role Nigerian skincare brands play in this from your perspective. Do you feel like, and I know this was touched upon a little bit in the documentary, um, but do you feel like they are encouraging it? Do you feel like they are helping to combat it? Because, you know, one would think that when you're a, an indigenous brand, that you are familiar with the needs of the women and that you be mm-hmm. formulating products to, mm-hmm. to help them accordingly. So, I mean, first and foremost, I want to start by saying that there are a, a high number of um, ethical slash natural skincare brands in Nigeria, you know, so I'm proud of those brands. But then at the same token, you have the brands that really just want to make money because they know the demand, the demand is high in Nigeria for bleaching cream. So it's like, why will I, why, I mean, I would be an idiot to not make money. And I mean, I have to be honest, it's, it's understandable. I, I would never go down that route. But at the same token, it's it's business for these people, you know? So it's like, I know that the, these creams are harsh on the skin. I know that they can lead to um, skin cancer and all kind of, and all other um, health issues. But it's like, I'm thinking about the now. How can I make money, you know? And I just feel like because of how profitable and lucrative these businesses are, they're not thinking about the end result. They're not thinking about the customers. They're just thinking about the profit. And that's the main thing here. So it's really hard to say that, you know, um, these brands are going to start thinking in the right way and saying stuff like, okay, you know what? I know the effects, so I'm going to stop selling bleaching cream or I'm going to try to sell more um, healthy skincare products, you know, because they're making so much money. So it's like a drug for these people. They, 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 they don't want to, they can't stop because they're making so much money. So it's like, why would I want to stop now? And then um, take the risk of not making as much money because there's, there's a higher demand for, these products in comparison to natural skincare products. Yeah, and that was something mm-hmm. interesting in the documentary um, where the one skincare uh, brand owner, she was a woman, I can't think of her name, but she was talking mm-hmm. about how, she, how she, she uses the language of mm-hmm. brightening and whitening, mm-hmm. even though it's not a whitening cream, just mm-hmm. to get the customer. Mm-hmm. And They all do it. <laughs> And but it's, there's, there's some changes though going yeah, on. Yeah, it's it's just like um, it's like you would you would hope that the consumer would still want that product even if they don't think that it's literally changing their skin complexion because they yeah. want healthy skin. But it's mm-hmm. like it's like healthy skin is you know, secondary, second, right. Secondary yeah. to yeah. having a lighter complexion because you, exactly. you see in the documentary, people who have like bruises, it's like bruising mm-hmm. their, their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and it's just all kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I, it was, it was fascinating. Have you felt yeah. that, that pressure because you are an actress. Have you felt mm-hmm. that pressure as an actress in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And I say that with everything within me, like I'm so obsessed with my complexion and my skin. I'm so obsessed with keeping my skin healthy that, you know, the amount of love, like that I adore myself, I adore my complexion. And it's like, 
I don't feel like, I don't feel any less beautiful because I'm dark-skinned. Absolutely not, you know? And that's one thing I take so much pride in. It's the fact that even though I had my issues as a, as a kid, it was never to do with my complexion. Never. You know, it was always to do with things that were, um, I was bullied for, like the eczema, the crooked teeth. Like, these are things that can't be helped at, at a young age, you know? It was never because I felt like my skin was a problem. And I grew up believing that, you know? Um, and I used to say things like, you know, this is when I was a teenager. I used to say stuff like, I could be in a room with, with a, I mean, with a, I mean, this is, as a teenager, when I started to think I was pretty, even though it was like, you know, like I said earlier, it was an outward beauty that I was like, okay, cool, I am pretty. Mm-hmm. But internally, when I go home, I didn't feel as confident anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so when I, I used to say stuff like, I could be in a room with a, a ton of beautiful women, light skin, brown skin, whatever, and I would still ve- feel very confident that I'm beautiful as well. You know, I used to say, I used to feel that way about myself. And nothing's changed in the sense that I do genuinely believe that, you know, in my own, in who I am and what I look like and, and everything. And that's not vanity. It's just, it's just self-confidence, you know? And yeah. I just, I feel, I feel as though no complexion is superior to mine. You know, and I think that's the messaging behind my entire brand. Like, if you look at, like, my posts and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's, I give other dark-skinned girls, um, the, the, I allow them to see themselves as beautiful as well by achieving my goals, by, um, you know, getting good, being in good, I mean, high-quality films, by just basically living my life authentically and never allowing myself to be seen. I mean, never allowing, allowing me, my, sorry, never being, never seeing myself, there we go. Never seeing myself as a victim of anything. Mm. You know, I've earned everything that I've, I've achieved and I've broken barriers and I've challenged conventions left, right and center. And I'm basically showing the other dark skinned girls that you can do the same. Like it's all, it all begins and ends with how you see yourself. It's yeah. as simple as that. So, and, and I yeah. Think- that is so critically important because, and it's it's some it's a little similar to the Black Lives Matter movement in that mm-hmm. um, you're taking a group of people who have been systematically mm-hmm. oppressed, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. they're now elevating themselves. And we're constantly mm-hmm. talking now about Black Lives Matter and Black Girl Magic and all this and all that. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's that same movement within the set within the sector of colorism mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. taking these darker skinned girls. And that representation mm-hmm. really matters. You know what I mean? Exactly. So seeing other women, and, and it, they don't just have to be in the media. They don't just have to be in the spotlight, but scrolling on Instagram, like pages like Dark Skin Beauty or Dark Skin Girl, whatever, Dark Skin Women, these like pages that um, praise darker mm-hmm. skin women. Like that's so mm-hmm. important to be able mm-hmm. to, to see that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, guess so I agree my, 100%. I guess my question is, um, I know makeup, is pivotal in Nigerian culture. What role does kind of like having a beat face and like makeup and skincare play in beauty in Nigeria? Oh, it's a big thing in this part of the world. (laughs) Um, Nigerian women love their makeup, um, sometimes more than the skincare. By skincare, no, sometimes more than the healthy skincare, you know, because they just feel like, okay, I can just use the makeup to kind of... um, mask my insecurities and my flaws and stuff like that so yeah it definitely does play I mean a big role like makeup the makeup business is a really big business over here especially like not necessarily makeup itself but getting your makeup professionally done 
you know, um, it's big business here, you know, for weddings, for events, just various things. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a big thing here. Um, it's just about, but for me, it's like, you could look great with makeup on, but it's also important to look good without it too. And that's where healthy skincare comes into play. I don't joke with my skincare because I would hate to, <laughs> so silly, but I would hate to like, you know, look good and then go out on the street without makeup and, you know, I'm literally- hey, who like, that? <laughs> who that? Who, who? You know, and it's like, it's a bit, it's very, it's, it's awkward. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want that. So I make sure I take care of my, my skin as well so that I can confidently walk out without makeup and then, you know, and then I would still get compliments on my skin, you know, and ask, I mean, get asked questions like, what's your skincare routine? These things are important as well, more important than how you look, you know, um, when you're all glammed up and stuff like that. So it's important to, I mean, I love makeup, but at the same token, it's important that my skin is great underneath the makeup too. Yeah. You know? Can yeah. we talk about that, Dooney? Are you ready to talk about her skin yes. thing? Because yes, now yes, I'm yes. interested. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. So take us through it. Take us through your your daytime skincare routine mm -hmm. first. So my skin, I, I'm very I'm very simple when it comes to my skin. Like I don't like to do too much because I've got very sensitive skin. I'm still prone to eczema, so and I have allergies. Well, I have, I have I'm allergic to soap, so I'm very and things that are heavily scented. So I'm very mm. very simple when it comes to my skin. Um, you know, like cocoa butter is amazing on my skin. Um, coconut oil, like just. Yeah, just simple stuff. I don't do anything um, specific. So, um, Are yeah, you that's using like a, a face wash? No, when it comes to my face, that's when I kind of do a little bit more, you know. Um, I use Aveeno, <laughs> Aveeno for my face. Um, that's really good because again, I have, I have sensitive skin, so I can't use anything that's heavily perfumed. And then um, I make sure I tone my skin. You know, I don't joke with that. And by toning, it's just literally stripping the, the the excess dirt from your skin. So the, the, the dirt that wasn't removed after washing your face is what is removed when you, when you tone. Um, so I make sure I do that. And What's then, your favorite toner? Um, simple, again, um, Olay. Mm, okay. Yeah, I use Olay. And then um, in regards to, um, what's the next part? Sorry. Like a, I mean, like a yeah, moisturizer? Then like, yeah, moisturizer. I have my moisturizer that I use, um, yeah, I can't give you the name of that one because I represent another brand. Okay. But the reason why I can't give you the name, <laughs> no chill, the reason why I can't give you the name is because the brand that I represent doesn't actually do um, products for, for, for the face. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, yeah that's totally different. So yeah, okay. I have to actually use a different brand for that reason. Okay. But um, yeah, so that's basically it. But yeah, I don't joke with my skin, my face, my skin, generally I don't joke with my skin. But then when it comes to my face, I do a little bit more because you have to, you know? Yeah. Do you use like, um, like under eye cream? I do, I do the same brand, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. let's talk hair because you have beautiful natural hair that you wear often. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what's your routine on that? So, I mean, sadly, thank you, by the way, I, I didn't, I mean, I've always been obsessed with my natural hair, but I won't lie. When the lockdown happened, I totally abandoned my natural hair. Mm -hmm. I barely did anything to my natural hair. 
my hair got really dry because I wasn't moisturizing it enough. So I had a lot of breakage, like mm. a lot mm-hmm. of breakage. I'm still recovering. Mm. So um, now, you know, I've made, I've decided to make a conscious effort to get my hair back to where it was and then grow it some more, obviously. So now I'm doing more to my hair. I make sure that I moisturize it every two days, like three days maximum. And that's like with um, water, um, which is very good for our hair, obviously. Um, you know, oil, like, you know, argan oil is really good for our hair and um, leave-in conditioner. So I do that every day. Okay. Sorry, not every day, every two to three days. Yeah. And I wash my hair every two weeks and I get a protein, protein treatment done every month. Okay. So yeah, that's basically, my hair care routine is pretty simple again. Yeah. And I tend to twist my hair as you well. No, I don't twist it myself. Okay. I go to the salon to do it. But then I prefer to twist to um, to doing cornrows, mainly because I feel like I can moisturize my hair better if it's twisted. And then I can still get a, a twist out yeah. whenever I'm ready. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What's your favorite protective yeah. style? Um, wigs. Yeah. <laughs> Same, sis. <laughs> Wigs. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep, love wigs. I keep telling Talia that I'm I'm trying to get on the wig um mm-hmm. bandwagon. Like Dooney, really Dooney plays. Let me I don't, don't I bought a wig, I'm waiting for you to help me shape it. <laughs> Dooney, yeah, wigs are with her vibe. You know? I'm and just trying to get her convenient. into it. She just plays. Yeah. Don't yeah. let her lie to you on this internet. Yeah. Wow. I like twists. I like twists, but I never really have my twist out. Okay. I mean, I have the twist out, but then my <laughs> twist. <laughs> I never have the twist out. Like they're always under a wig. Got it. So, yeah. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so, what else is there? Skincare, hair care, makeup. What makeup yeah. are you into? So on a normal day, I really don't care for makeup that much. Um. You know, like it's just such a chore let's be honest and I like to let my skin breathe as well so it's like I, t- I tend to restrict makeup like full-on makeup to um when I have an event so I get it professionally done or yeah. you know if I have a photo shoot so I mean that way I mean it's inevitable like a commercial shoot film shoot whatever so that's when I get like professional makeup done but then if it's like everyday makeup my makeup just consists unless it's like a date or, you know, a proper hangout with my girls or something like that. That's when I do a full makeup look at home. Well, you, but then you'll do it yourself? Like a, yeah, you'll I'll do it myself. Okay. But it's never going to be as good as my makeup artist. Yeah. But, yeah, I do it myself. But then if it's, like, everyday type of routines or um, if it's, like, maybe just a, a lunch hangout or something like that, then for me it's really just eyebrows, um, eyeliner, mascara, lip gloss. Mm-hmm. That's basically it, you know? What are you using on your eyebrows? So I usually use the powder, but then I've just just decided to go back to the pencil. I think the pencil just looks better. I like the pencil better. Yeah, yeah. Who's your favorite, I don't know if you can answer this, who's your favorite makeup artist to do your makeup in Nigeria? Oh, I can, because I I only use one makeup artist. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she's, I mean, do you know what? I'm going to tell you my favorite, and she's my favorite because I've been working with her for years. That's Flawless Faces by Jane. But then there's also other makeup artists that I respect, you know? Um, I think um, Bimpe, Bimpe on, Onokoya yeah. is an amazing makeup artist. She's actually one of the best in the best industry, ones, and I yeah. respect her work so much. I absolutely mm-hmm. love her work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's um, Banke Mashida, you know, BM, 
BM Pro. There's there's a few. There's Dodos. That's really good as well. And I love um, her work. He's good. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Joyce Jacobs. These are makeup artists that I really respect in the in the game. Um, but yeah, my personal makeup artist is obviously my favorite because I've been working with her for so long, and she's absolutely brilliant with my face. Yeah. And that's um, Flawless Faces by Jay. Okay. Okay. So yeah. when you're doing your own makeup, are you, uh, what foundation brand do you typically use? Girl, they gonna have to pay me. <laughs> 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 if I tell you, then another, I can't represent another brand if they come my way. Not I'm mad at that. You, I'm trying to give <laughs> the listeners the secret. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you later. <laughs> That's good. Well, we'll that in the show yeah. notes. <laughs> we won't blow up your spot it's fine all right so we're gonna talk about um we're gonna do a beauty moment so a beauty moment okay. is like over the last over the last week a moment that you had where that was good bad or ugly so maybe it's your skin was doing well or maybe it was you know you had a breakout or you tried a, a new product that you love so anything related to that so I'll start it off Okay. My beauty moment is I fell in love with this new product. It's Glossier uh, Future Dew. So oh, I, have it shit. On, I have it on nice. now. It's like, I literally nice. just have that on and it gives like this little glow. Little I love glow. it. I can so, see it. I can see it. I can see the highlight. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. I got just a yeah. sample, but I'm actually going to purchase um, the full one. Purchase it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I lost no. mine in Ghana. I went to Ghana oh, in, in December, and I immediately got home and bought some more because I was like, oh, "That's what you had." I want to get it. If I was in America, I would have bought it because you you guys are glowing, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's my yeah. shit. So when you, whenever you come, I'm sure they. they I was about to say, to if London. the borders are open, we can we can. The borders aren't open. They're not. So. <laughs> like the whole world is open, but Africa. <laughs> Africa's well, nobody's place. accepting Americans, so. I know, right? I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. What's my beauty moment? Oh, okay. So I am about to, not not this week, but I'm preparing to go to the beach. Um, mm, nice. And I have a smidge of pubic hair <laughs> growing <laughs> currently. I got a wax like a month ago. And then I was like, oh, do I need like another one or like what's going on down here? And I decided mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to touch it. I'm just going to have, I'm going to embrace my body hair and just have my little smidge of pubic hair with my baby. Stick it out? <laughs> nah, bro. We got to talk about this shit with you recording. Oh, yeah. I am judging you right now. Tell now. We can't, I cannot let you. It's We're too late. It's too discussion. late. It's too late. I've already left you. YouTube does not need you right now with that shit. Word, word. Chicago has places. I'm going to find some places that are open to the end. Look, my my pubic hair. Like, we gonna hair it out. Yeah, my, like what? My pubic hair is very fine. It is laying very Ain't nicely. Nobody trying to get that shit. Oh they my god! Be like, I saw this the beauty needs me hoes. I saw the beauty needs me hoes out here with her pubes sticking out. No, Cali California, brace yourself because I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> I cannot do it. But you want to know the funny, the funny thing about Talia is she will do it and own that shit, take pictures, <laughs> and not care. No, you have to respect it. You have to respect like, it. I am embracing my body hair, y'all. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's absolutely okay, I guess. <laughs> no, but really, really, she has a point, though, because once again, 
society has made us feel as though our body hair and ETC just isn't right, you yeah, know? And yeah. once upon a time in the 40s, women were walking around with their hairy armpits with no issues right. and yeah. their hairy down belows with yeah. no issues, yeah. you know? And now it's like, ew, but once upon a time, this was okay. Yeah, yeah. the so hair like, down there actually like, protects it. So you're supposed to have hair down there. If you don't oh, really? like it, I didn't know that. yeah, you, you are. don't like it, don't put your face down that. there. That's all I could tell you. Oh, <laughs> she said it. She went there. Oh, man, she we went there. Know Valid they, point, though. Valid point. They, still will. <laughs> they, don't, they don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh we, we, this podcast has taken a left turn <laughs> but Beverly, it's been funny Beverly yeah. what is your beauty moment steer us back in the so, right direction so I mean you guys have gone in two different directions and now I feel like do I have one like I'm it could be think. anything um, it could be anything um hmm let me think let me think I so okay for me it's like you know like I said I've been very lucky um, with my natural hair in the sense that it's, it's, it always used to be low maintenance, mm. but I took that for granted during the lockdown, you know, and I felt like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. When, when salons reopen, I'll just go sort my hair out. Mm. And then I saw all the hair on the floor and I was like, that was a bad idea. Yeah. But I think now for me, it's like appreciating the journey now mm. in a way that I never had, you know, um, Sorry, never have. Like appreciating it in the sense that now it's like, okay, I need to moisturize. I need to take it seriously. I need to love my hair. And I'm really enjoying this journey more than I, I, I ever did because it's mm. like now I'm really taking care of my hair. I'm paying attention to the type of products that I'm using and, you know, what's in the products and, and the, the benefits attached to these products for my natural hair. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying the results so far. So yeah, that's 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 probably going to be the one I would choose. Yeah, I like that, I like that right? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right. So Talia, do we want to move into? Okay. We got rapid? segments. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on with the rapid. All right. So have you ever played Rapid Fire? No. Okay. So I'm going to ask you questions. You say the first okay. thing that comes to mind. Some of them are going to be either or. And some okay. of them are going to be open-ended. So just say whatever okay. comes to mind. What's okay. your what's your favorite thing in your closet right now? Oh, of course I've played back with fire. Favorite thing in my closet right now. Oh man, I don't like these. This is why, because I've got a short memory. That's something you guys should also know. So when you ask me questions like this, I need some time to think. And I don't have time to think. We're gonna give it's you rapid. It's rapid. <laughs> <laughs> Um, favorite thing in my wardrobe right now, I would say my YSL heels. Okay. Yeah. The ones that say yeah. the heel is YSL or it's just yeah, that one. Yeah. Those ones. yeah. Okay. Those yeah. don't hurt your feet. They don't actually, they're very comfortable. Wow. Okay. I have the pumps though. So maybe that's why. Okay. Talking or yeah. texting? It depends on who I'm speaking to. Like, if I really feel like having a conversation with you, talking, if I can't be bothered, and I feel like th this could be a quick text conversation. See, I can't do rapid fire. <laughs> then texting. <laughs> Your favorite day of the week? Oh, I love Sundays. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've heard that yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. iPhone or Android? iPhone. If you had a spirit animal, what would it be? Lion. Your favorite TV show? Oh, Fresh Prince. Do you Louis Shaw. <laughs> the 90s. The 90s. The 90s, basically. Um, yeah. Best gift that you ever received? 
See, I need to think. I'd be gay. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hold on. Wait, best gifts I ever received. Damn, I don't know. Make all your boyfriends mad. Some... Say something that nobody got you. That way they have to step their game up. I know, right? <laughs> A Ferrari. <laughs> if you had one superpower, what would it be? Hmm. To... Oh, that's a tough one. There's a few things I like, but I would like to go back in time and experience history. Like, I even want to experience slavery. Mm. That sounds really weird. I mean, I don't want to be a victim of slavery. I just want to, I want to see. I want to see, like, like. like this, like, yeah, I want to see what, what it was like and, you know, just see how Black, I mean, how Africans ended up in America and the things that they had to go through. I would love to experience that and would be nice to change things and you know make a difference so it never happened mm. but yeah yeah i would yeah. like to, to see that yeah so this is just a random question um like off of that what are your thoughts on like the connection is this your among- rapid fire over no is- yeah rapid fire is over okay what's your i'm like what's you about to ask us so- something complicated <laughs> <laughs> what's like your thoughts on the connection of black people like those in the diaspora those on the continent like i think it's are... getting worse damn it's it's really bad right now you know especially when you go on the shade room and you just read certain comments whenever something said about africa or whenever whenever something said about you know um america and then africans have a point of view and then suddenly it's like africa versus african-americans it's, i don't like it you know it makes yeah. me sad because it's like we're, we're ultimately we are one mm-hmm. you know and it's like we of all people we should not be the ones that you know to be so divided you know and having all these arguments that are just completely unnecessary and lead to absolutely nowhere yeah so i just feel like yeah i feel like you know that's really unfortunate it's heartbreaking and it's at the core of it all is ignorant too yeah, I just wish that we would do less of that. But yeah, I'm also happy about what Ghana's doing though, you know, and kind of bridging the gap and yeah, getting, I mean, encouraging more African-Americans to, to visit the, the nation and yeah. kind of trace their roots. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And it's been, it's been rewarding, you know, to, I mean, it's been rewarding on both, I mean, to, on both ends, like African-Americans are gaining something spiritual and, and amazing. And then Africans are connecting with, I mean, have the opportunity to connect with African-Americans on a deeper level too. And, yeah. you know, help to teach them about our culture, our history and, and you know, our beginnings before all this craziness happened. And I think that's really special. Yeah. Talia, you were going to yeah. say something before yeah. I, before I say? No, I just, no, that's, that's really, that's, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, it's really interesting. So my, my two best friends are Nigerian men. They've been my best friends since I was in high school. And I remember, I mean, as of, as of recently, you know, recently, as in like the last 10 years since I became an adult and I moved to New York, um, mm-hmm. when people would talk about the negative ideas that Nigerians have of African-Americans, I was, mm-hmm. I was so shocked. I was like, because mm-hmm. my, my best friends and their families, I've, I'm like, I've never felt that. But I think, yeah. I think that we, we tend to because we come from such different places and because the media plays such a prominent role, often when people are immigrating, they just have Mm -hmm. these negative ideas of African-Americans. And in turn, African-Americans 
are like, you know, throwing out negative ideas of people in different countries mm. of Africa. And it's like, Africa, yeah. none of this is a thing, you know, I if, agree. We, if we can just accept people for who they are as individuals, just yeah, like you don't agree. that all white people are bad. You just think that one mm-hmm. white person who shot that black person, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like yeah. you, you have to think about it like that and not get caught yeah. in yeah. a cultural bubble. And, and I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg that comes first with that, right? Like, I don't know if it's that Africans have a negative view of Black Americans, so Black Americans then act on that, or if Black Americans have a negative view on Africans, so then Africans then act on that. Because I know when growing up, when we lived around predominantly Blacks, my family was constantly, um, like, targeted on our street because we were, because we're African. You know what I mean? And we yeah. had never experienced that. And I remember my parents being like, we're all black. What's the problem? <laughs> taken aback. Yeah, yeah, so crazy. So crazy. And also, it was blacks that let me know that I was different because they were like, mm. like, okay, well, I'm born and raised here. They're like, your name is Dooney. Like, you're African. And I mean, my parents always, you know, my Nigerian identity was always celebrated. Like, they, my parents weren't the kind of parents that were like, no, you're just American. They were right. like, no, like, this is where you come from. Same, you same, are, same. You know what I mean? So I was like, well, same. yeah, I am. But it was like a problem, you know? Like, I was mm-hmm. different. Um, yeah. But I agree with Ghana, because it was, I thought that was probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced, because I grew up always going back to Nigeria. But yeah. Ghana, and I had friends there who are Ghanaian, who are Nigerian, Black American, West Indian. And it was just beautiful to know that, um you know, we all came, everybody left from here and may have dispersed into various parts of the world, but there's still, mm-hmm. you know, a commonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so that was- We cool. off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah we all got nothing tangent. to do with nothing. It's not. Talia <laughs> probably going to edit this, but- <laughs> <laughs> The combo's yeah. good. Okay. Um, what's next for you, Beverly? What's next for you? What's next for the documentary? So yeah, the documentary is just take. I mean, it's definitely taken a life of its own. It's um, it's being it's being watched all over the world and trended in various parts of the world. So I'm just really happy about that. And yeah, it's just basically staying consistent and still pushing that matter. I mean, that that um, pushing the topic and pushing this conversation. You know, allowing people to realize that all black is beautiful. Educating people on colorism, the effects of colorism, um, negative effects of bleaching, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that's basically, you know, where we are as far as skin goes. Um, I know on the skin page, we're doing a lot more on that page, um, you know, just to empower um, young people and to make them, teach them about self-love and empowerment and educate them as well. And um, teach them about healthy skincare routines. Because that's another thing that I realized Mm. after the release of skin, like a lot of people were like, okay, cool how do I maintain my black skin then? Like, what do I do? Like, how do I stay, um, keep my skin healthy? Um, I was thinking about bleaching. Now I don't want to bleach. What do I do? You know, um, or I, I am a bleacher, but I want to go back to my natural skin um, complexion. What products do I need to use? So I got like an overwhelming response. Mm. I mean, and, and sorry, an overwhelming mm. amount of questions regarding that. So it just became important for me to kind of restructure the skin page and kind of partner with um, skincare, um, ethical, ethical and natural skincare brands to um, have, I mean, to give positive information and knowledge 
on skincare routines and and stuff and products to use. So yeah, so so now the skin um skin the documentary Instagram page is now also an avenue to receive information and knowledge on healthy skincare routines. So that's mm-hmm. basically targeting the people that want that information. So I'm happy about that. And then um, yeah, it's still we're still going. Um, you know, that's I still intend to do another youth tour. I did a youth tour before the lockdown. Um, now I wouldn't mind doing another one, but I just want things to get a little bit more becoming. I mean, I just want things to go back open to up. normal a little bit yeah. and open up, so it's a bit safer for everyone. So there's that um, for skin, um, and yeah, there's a few conversations as well regarding just. Um, you know, healing. So I'm partnering with Erica Fremantle, as you know, she was in the documentary. And that's, I mean, she's a life coach. So that's what she does for a living. And she she's starting, um, um, you know, sessions for people who require healing, require counseling and stuff like that. And that's, you know, as a result of Skin the documentary, there are people out there that really need to, 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 to just feel better in their skin, you know, and just be knowledge, more knowledgeable on black beauty and what their black beauty represents and stuff like that. So she's starting um, that um, that whole um, the, the session soon. And I'm really excited about that because I think that's also important. Counseling is important, you know, yeah. for people that are damaged as a result of society, society's pressures, societal pressures and stuff like that. So I'm really excited. And that's, that starts um, end of the month. So that's another thing that Skin is working on. And yeah, for me as a person, I'm as just an actress. Anything we as can an actress, you know, <laughs> as a producer, you know, I'm excited about the journey and where I'm going next. Um, I've got some exciting films that I should be um, that I'm working on in the near future, and also my own personal project too. I signed a JV with a with a production with a stu- production studio in the UK. Congratulations! And yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, that should be really interesting because it means that I'm going to be, a, I'm going to, I have the opportunity to produce content that I'm genuinely proud of and excited to feature in as well. So yeah, it's exciting times. It's, um, there's a few things happening. Um, yeah. And I'm just really excited about the future. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all good. I love that. So our final question is why does okay. beauty need you? Isn't it obvious? <laughs> um, no, beauty needs me, obviously, because you need women who are willing to champion conversations, willing to teach, willing to inspire. Um, yeah, and that's basically what I re- represent. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be about it as well. And I think that's why beauty needs me, because, you know, skin would not have existed if... I didn't feel like it was necessary mm. for us to kind of change the narrative on how beauty is received and perceived, you know? So I just feel like that's why beauty needs me. You, we need people like me who are willing to change, to challenge conventions and to change the narrative, to empower other people to see, to realize why beauty needs them. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. That thank you. <laughs> another episode. Until next time, beauty needs me, family.